0: Hi, I'm Erin Delmore, and as we work, we're seeing some workers seize the moment and give themselves a raise because they can.
1: I think that freelancers, if anything, have extreme opportunity in moments like these. There are companies that will be shrinking their workforce. they still got problems that need solving. That's gonna be where the freelancers come in. Any time where you're in kind of a problem-rich environment is a good time for you to be building new solutions.
0: This is As We Work from The Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. Coming up on the show, the cost of everything is going up. Is your pay going up with it? What if you're your own boss? Independent workers make up more than a third of the American workforce, according to McKinsey & Company, and many have multiple clients and set their own rates. So if you're not one of the roughly 58 million Americans in this pool, chances are you know someone who is, or maybe you're the one paying them. So we're going to make sense of the dollars and cents with a person who's not only a freelancer, but also employs them. Stay with us. Support for this show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alts including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com WSJ. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC member FINRA SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. What would you say if I told you, it's time for a raise? Sounds good, doesn't it? Inflation was running at 8.2% in September, and the cost of pretty much everything is going up. So you might go to your boss and ask for a little more money in your paycheck. But what if you fall outside that traditional structure? I'm calling out the millions of freelancers, self-employed, contractors, and side hustlers. When's the last time you gave yourself a raise? According to Fiverr, an online marketplace for freelance services, more than 70% of freelancers didn't raise their rates last year. But of the ones who did or were likely to, their top reasons included inflation generally and a higher cost of living personally. So what are freelancers to do? We called up someone who's been dispensing advice about being a freelancer to his quarter million plus followers on TikTok. Jamie Brindle runs a production company in Los Angeles, and he's the author of the book Freelancer Year One and he says he raises his rates twice a year. Jamie, this year it's impossible not to notice that everything costs more. A tank of gas, a gallon of milk, everything in between. Are you raising your prices?
1: Of course I am, yes. So first off, you should always be raising your prices. Folks that have kind of a dedicated rate card, uh, that's important. It's important to know what your overhead is, how much you need to make to be in profit on a project. But I always say that number is for you to know. That's internally, you know, your rate is your floor, not your ceiling. I'd say my rate is developed on a project-to-project basis because the value of one solution to one client is going to be completely different than the value to another. A a good anecdote that I give for this is, um, say you're a graphic designer and your local cafe calls because they want a poster. Designed for their window to try and get some more foot traffic in. And the same day Warner Brothers calls because they want a poster for the new Batman movie, right? It's the same job. It's a poster. They don't deserve the same price, it's not the same budget. So, yeah, I think you should always be assessing your price. Even if it's a client that you've been working with for years, your value to that client has increased. You're not the same product that you were two years ago. And it's not just about what you're doing for them. It's also about how you've integrated into their logistics. That's all valuable stuff too. So I would say, make sure that you raise your rate at least once a year, if not twice, like on schedule.
0: So is this a Jamie Brindle tip or is this something that people in the freelance community know and they're doing regularly?
1: I doubt that I was the first person to ever suggest uh, <laughs> uh, freelancers raise their rates. I, I do think that it is something that I've, I've noticed, again, just anecdotally, a lot of freelancers are hesitant to do. And I think that's because um, A, they don't understand that they're likely undercharging anyways, and then B, they don't want to have that money talk. A freelancer, money is a very personal thing to us because it's how we pay our rent or our mortgage. It's how we eat, it's, it's whatever. To a client, money is an asset to be deployed. It's not as emotional to them.
0: And when you talk about raising your rates or revisiting your rate with a client every six months, two times a year, yeah. is that something you regularly do or is that something that you've been doing lately, perhaps in response to inflation or your business is growing?
1: I've done it since very early in my career, especially early on in a career. You are going to be developing your skills at a pretty rapid rate. Your product is changing is the best way to describe it. It would be like if a designer his first suits were, you know, cheap wool, and and he's learning how to cut, and he's got some regulars, and then a year later he's got you know some premium fabrics. He's gotten really good. Two years later, you know he's he's making suits out of uh, vicuna, and they're they're expertly crafted. Just because the client's been there for two years doesn't mean that they get to pay the cheap wool price for the Vicuna three-piece. So you have to think about it like that. Your product is changing.
0: For the uninitiated, your TikTok videos feature two versions of yourself having a conversation with each other. So one is you as a successful businessman today, and the other is you playing a new freelancer. Let's hear one.
1: How do I know when it's time to raise my rates? When you're spending more time working on current business than you are developing new business or working on your long-term strategy, it's time. Long-term strategy, developing new services, building new portfolios, things you'll be thanking yourself for in the near future. And it'll help you raise your rates even more. Ah, gotcha. Okay.
0: Here, you're touching on raising your rates when your client portfolio grows. But what about workers who have to make more money as their costs go up?
1: There are many different moments in a career when you can raise your rate. The sampling of, of when to raise your rate clips on my TikTok is, is vast, right? Uh, raise your rate when your costs go up. You want to raise your rate when you're really busy because the objective there is to maybe lose a few clients and maintain the same top line uh, income. That's also a, a, an interesting time to really experiment with what the market will bear for your service. If you're booked out for the next three months, and someone calls and needs something done, you know, two weeks from now, charge them, just say, oh, it's gonna cost and then throw a number out there that's four or five times what you normally charge. Just see what they say. Cause y- you know, you're not gonna, <laughs> you are not you do not have time to do the, the work a week from now anyways. Uh, so it's go collect that data. So I would say that those are probably uh, the, the best times to raise your rate. But you know, anytime you're adding value, you gotta be thinking about how that translates to your rate. Same client, different project. It's going to be a different rate.
0: What do you do if the negotiation doesn't go the way you want?
1: Well, I mean, if you're raising your rates on your clients and someone genuinely can't come up to the new rate, that's kind of the point you know? So like, Hey, we're still buddies. I'm still going to check in and, and see how it's going and see if there's anything new that I can help out with. But that's kind of the point of the rate raise. I, I am sympathetic to, and, and, and I do remember my earlier years freelancing where sometimes rents do, you know, and you just got to take, take the money, you know, you got it, you got to play it cool. Some of that has to do with once you've kind of saved up a bit of a war chest, once you have some runway and you've really mastered or, or begun to master, the art and science of acquiring a new business. So in terms of negotiation, I always say negotiate the scope, never your fee, right? So that's negotiate the size of the deliverable. If you've quoted $10,000 on a project and they say they only have $5,000 to spend, well, great, let's talk about the $5,000 version of this idea.
0: That's a real same team mentality.
1: (laughs) I don't want it to be an us versus them thing. You know, a lot of times, any of the kind of friction you hear about between a freelancer and client, it's a communication issue. They're the ones paying you the money. So that's your responsibility. You know, you, you've got to be the communicator and you've got to make sure that um, everything is, is being communicated well.
0: I want to turn the tables on you a little bit here because you also employ independent workers. So what has worked on you? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I'm glad you asked this question because this is something that I tell people when they're trying to figure out landing a new client, I always say, go on Upwork and hire a freelancer. And there's gotta be stakes. It's gotta be for like a job that you're currently on the hook for. Go hire a freelancer. You immediately assume the position of the client and you see the whole exchange from their perspective, which is, okay, I'm on the hook. I need to get this done. I need it to be done well because it's my name on the line. I need it to be done within budget because I have a margin that I need to make. All these things, And you quickly realize that the clients aren't these nefarious people that are like, I want you to work for the cheapest amount possible. These are human beings and and you have now been in their shoes. You now understand the process. When I started hiring freelancers, I'd say that upped my game big time in terms of working with clients because I've been on both sides of the fence.
0: So whether you're doing the hiring or getting hired, Jamie Brindle says, get creative and he's sharing his best tips for freelancers looking to tap into the extreme opportunity of this moment. That's next. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes, and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Jamie, you've cultivated a social media following by tapping into this moment when interest in freelancing is up. Why do you think we're seeing this increase?
1: I think it's a familiarity with remote work that the lockdowns, as horrible as they were, brought about. Folks are a lot more comfortable hosting meetings over Zoom and, and working with people that they don't necessarily know in person. Independent workers have that going for them. But also just the Internet, like this this stuff was not available 10 years ago, five years ago. You can Google freelance job market and you'll get two pages worth of of options. And most of them are in a client-rich environment. For a long time, when you put the corporate nine to five up next to the freelancing option, the nine to five felt like the safe choice. And that's no longer the case. It may be the most convenient choice at square one, but after maybe a year at it, freelancing quickly becomes... Uh, the safer, the more convenient, all the good things.
0: When you've talked to people who have recently made the switch to freelancing, what reasons have you heard from them for why they're making the change?
1: A lot of the reasons are probably the obvious ones. It's the freedom that freelancing brings. It's, you know, not wanting to go into the office. I I always joke, but I'm kind of serious when I say one of my favorite features of freelancing is 2.30 naps on a Wednesday. You're in control of your own destiny. Now, that's a very freeing statement but it can also be scary i think a lot of it has to do with being the one who is responsible for your success or your failure you can start with your goal and then engineer your business from there so if your goal is to work four hour days and and then just go go out and vacation enjoy life hang with the kids whatever you want to do with your time you can build that business you know if your goal is to be making four times what you made at your corporate job two years from now, that's a different tack, but you can build that business. It's the freedom to not waste your time on something that you don't deem <laughs> necessary. But then again, like I, I, I don't want to harp on it, but like philosophically, it's the command over your career for a manager or for a VP to say, all right, kid, you're, you're ready for the next, for the next step. You know, it's if I decide in November that, I, that I'm ready for the next step, I'm gonna go for it. I like that ability, that nimbleness that freelancing provides.
0: And what about the downsides?
1: Yeah, so the downsides, I would say that there are more at the start than there are throughout. And how quickly you get through that initial period of perceived downsides, you can control. All I can do is speak from my experience. And I, I, I recall when you're first getting started freelancing, Folks maybe don't understand that you don't have to go into the office. That doesn't mean that you're available. Your social life, uh, definitely gets bumped down when you're just getting started because you are essentially trading time for money. If you go on a vacation, you kind of have to pay twice. Uh, you have to pay for the vacation and you have to pay for all the work that you're not doing on that vacation.
0: This moment is particularly interesting to me because we have seen the great resignation and the way that people have upended their own work lives. And at the same time, we're living through a tough economic moment. You know, I lived through 2008. I remember what it felt like. And sometimes when I feel this nervousness in the air around inflation or around a potential economic downturn on the horizon, it resonates. So you've been doing this for more than a decade. You've probably been through some unstable periods. What were they like?
1: it's going to really suck for some people. I want to speak to it with with that understanding, but for many freelancers, a moment like this is a is a moment for your business to go through a bit of a growth spurt. A lot of companies who are minimizing their teams are going to need to find folks to fill in for like a project or two. So they may not want to have somebody on staff for that, they may not want to pay all the things that come with an employee, but they still have the need. And then more recently. Do you remember when the lockdowns happened and it was like this announcement, okay, for the next two weeks, America, stay inside. And I remember I went on a long walk and I had visions of great depression. I was like, this is it. Uh, And then I thought to myself, you know, if I'm already thinking about this, I guarantee my clients are too. So I got back from the walk and I started emailing our client list and saying, all right, here are the problems that I see Coming up for us, and I, d- I didn't necessarily have a solution yet, but just putting on their jersey, becoming my, the strategic partner in this, like you know, I I know you guys are concerned about this. So let's let's have a quick chat. Let's figure this out. But um, yeah, times like these, it provides a plethora of new problems that need to be solved. If you look at it from that perspective, you can become the problem solver.
0: So, do you feel like you're more at risk of feeling the impact of an economic downturn? And if not, you. Would other people who are freelancing feel that way?
1: I don't think so. I think that freelancers, if anything, have extreme opportunity in moments like these. There are companies that will be shrinking their workforce. They've still got problems that need solving. That's going to be where the freelancers come in. So keep your wits about you, freelancers. Any time where you're in kind of a problem-rich environment is a good time for you to be building new solutions.
0: That's Jamie's advice. But whether you're looking to expand your client base or angling for your promotion, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Luckily, we know Ray Smith, and he's on hand to help us dust off our networking skills. That's in our pro tip next.
2: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
0: And finally today, our pro tip. Whether you're a freelancer, a contractor, or you're in the corporate pipeline, networking is key to your career success. And the Wall Street Journal has a new email challenge to help you harness your networking powers. It's not only effective, it's also painless. Reporter Ray Smith is here with us today to share step one, how to build your strong list. So tell us, Ray, what's on your strong list?
2: The strong list, you should really think of that as almost like your emergency contacts list. These are the people you would reach out to, literally in case of professional emergency, you're laid off or you're looking to change jobs really quickly. These are people who you would contact immediately.
0: I'll admit it sounds a little daunting to put this list together. Thankfully, you broke this down for a step-by-step. So tell us, how do we build out our strong list?
2: You build it out by starting with some of those close contacts, the people that you know pretty well and who are great connectors and great networkers. And then once you have sort of five or six of those, you can expand that list to include people who are professional contacts, who you may not keep in constant contact with, but are likely to know of openings that your immediate list won't know about. They can be a former boss of a boss, or a senior manager who you happen to have a shared interest with. They just might have more opportunities that expand your network.
0: So it sounds like it doesn't have to be somebody who I've worked for in the past or someone who I can connect with over a shared job or shared company that we worked at. It can come down to something like an interest, too?
2: It can come down to something like an interest. It can be, for instance, I know in my personal experience, I happened to like jazz a lot, and I I became friends with a senior editor who also was into jazz. And that was our shared interest. And my goal wasn't to sort of connect with him because he was a senior editor. It was literally, genuinely over jazz. And it turned out to be when I was scared of being laid off at some point— um, I did reach out to him, knowing, of course, that he was a senior editor, but also feeling comfortable enough because we had established this relationship.
0: What are some common mistakes people make in reaching out to the people on their list?
2: Not saying exactly what they want. You really shouldn't do a, can I pick your brain, or can we grab coffee and people are really busy and you want to say exactly what you want. And even though it sounds crass to say, hey, I'm looking for a job, can you help me? There are smoother ways to deliver that kind of message. But the bottom line is that don't make the mistake of wasting people's time. You really want to get to the point of why you're reaching out. And someone who knows you well um, who you or who you have a good relationship with, or who your last sort of memory of them with, whether you met at a conference or a networking event, was a positive experience, actually won't mind hearing from you and your plea for help.
0: While you're building your strong list, like Ray suggested, there's one crucial part of networking with someone you've never met before, your first impression. Next week, we're busting that age-old adage that says you never get a second chance at making one, as coworkers who only know each other from Zoom get used to meeting their colleagues IRL. I was terribly anxious the whole drive, I remember waiting for the elevator to go up to the office, I was just like, my stomach was full of butterflies, I was so nervous. That's Megan Shook preparing to meet her colleagues in person. What kind of impression did she and her co-workers make? Well, you'll just have to listen next week. Like the show? Tell your friends to subscribe and give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Jonathan Sanders is a super-savvy double agent and also our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton is our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. I'm Erin Delmore. See you next time. Apollo is working to ensure a bright, bold future, financing solutions to some of the most complex challenges the world is facing. Apollo, investing in tomorrow, today. Learn more at Apollo.com.